We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into this week's episode of the Hook'em Hoops podcast brought to you by the Field of 68. My name is Jason Canander, joined by my co-host Tommy Yarish and a very special guest, ESPN color commentator, college basketball expert, former Division I head coach, Fran Priscilla. Fran, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Outstanding, guys. Pleasure to be with you. Uh, you tracked me down and uh, you got me. I'm not in Allen Fieldhouse, just for those Longhorn fans that think I'm playing favorites here. That's just my Zoom background. But uh, delighted to be with you guys. Talk a little pre, pre-Christmas pre college hoops, Texas Longhorn basketball talk, Big 12 as well. Yeah, and you know, the timing behind this is really good with conference play starting in a little over a week. The Big 12, as usual, was expected to be one of, if not the top tier college basketball conference in the country. So, Fran, I'll ask you just to lead off. What are your thoughts on this year's Texas team? What have you seen so far? Where do you think they sit in this year's Big 12? Well, they're certainly, when healthy, which is what the good news is, they're starting to get healthy with Dylan DeSue back, coming off foot surgery in the offseason. Um, and I saw them at the garden. I had great seats, guys. I was in the first, don't ask me how, but I was in the first row for the UConn game. You know, I think what happened was all the Indiana fans left at the, at the end of the first game. So the ushers at the garden where I used to coach at St. John's, they put me in the first row. So I got a great look at Texas and I'm really optimistic, um, especially with the Sue and Chedrick back now, the size inside. Um, guard play, veteran experience, guys that won a lot last year, a head coach now that not only has been a head coach for over a decade, but really, if you think about it, Rodney Terry saved the season last year, coming mm-hmm. off of the whole situation with Chris Beard. So uh, op- very optimistic. They're a top 15 type program when healthy and maybe even better because of the, the success they had at the end of last year. You mentioned Dylan DeSue. DeSue made his season debut on Saturday against LSU and looked really sharp in 20 minutes off the bench. With a healthy Dylan DeSue, how different of a Texas team is this than what we saw in the early non-conference slate? Well, I would just take you back to last year's Big 12 tournament, right? Uh, Big 12 tournament MVP. I mean, you look at what Texas did in the Big 12 tournament and what Dylan specifically did, especially not only in the tournament, but down the stretch of the season until his injury in the NCAA tournament. He was one of the best big guys in the country. 
And um, when I was at practice in October uh, in Austin, um, there was concern about when he and Chedrick would get back. And I think Coach Terry rightfully said, we're not bringing either guy back until they're, you know, completely healthy. And I think, I think it turned out to be the smart move. Uh, could they have won a game here or there, you know, losing to UConn? Maybe. But the simple fact is now that Dylan is back, hopefully healthy, Shedrick now coming back into his own. This bodes well for for uh, for Texas having Dylan back. He went at when healthy. He's one of the best big men in the country. Brad, I want to ask you about Max Acemus. He was one of the bigger splashes out of the transfer portal for Texas. The NCAA's all or not all time leading scorer, but current active leading scorer. We've seen a mixed bag from him so far this season. He's one of those guys where when he's on and he's hot, he's hot, and it's hard to beat Texas. But when he's cold. It's, it's a little bit easier, and, you know, with Texas's struggles defensively so far this season, we've seen teams like Marquette be able to run the score up. You know, Max Acemus hasn't seen Big 12 basketball just yet. How do you feel about him going into the conference slate? Do you feel like he'll continue to show off that showing progress, showing uh, prof proficiency, or does he maybe struggle a little bit out of the gates? Well, Tommy, I think a little bit of both, honestly, because, you know, what he did at ORU was incredible, right? And he did it in the NCAA tournament as a sophomore. So there's no question he's talented and he's averaging, what, almost 20 points a game. I think it's 18 or 19 last I checked. But I also think it's a different level and he's going to be guarded by better athletes and there's going to be more focus on him. It's interesting. I'm saying this, but I'm going to contradict myself in a second. You know you got to stop him, and you can't – at his size, you can put a larger guard on him and try to slow him down. The good thing for Max is he doesn't have to do it all himself this year like he did at ORU for a number of years. So, he, to your point, he's going to struggle at times with all the athleticism, but he's also going to get loose a lot because of the fact that he's around better players. You know, he's around Tyrese Hunter. You know, Horton can shoot the ball off the bench. We talked about the big guys developing. Dylan Mitchell. So um, Max is going to have one of those years where he averages 18 points a game, but there are going to be some nights where he's bottled up and goes four for 15. On the other hand, you can give him the ball like they did at the end of the Louisville game and let him go make a play. And he's got enough experience in big moments that he'll do that. So I think your question is a great question. It's just a matter of he's going to be a little bit of both and Longhorn fans have got to appreciate who he is and not what he can't do. And just a quick follow-up on that, you know, with him defensively, and we'll talk about Texas's defense as a whole because it's kind of been a little bit of a struggle bus here to start the season, but I've noticed when guys try to attack Max Acemus teams, like we saw it with LSU, typically put the bigger, more physical guard against him offensively and, you know, kind of try to take him into the paint and draw a double team from a bigger guy like Dylan Mitchell, Caden Shedrick, and now Dylan back. But, you know, the catch with that is Texas is able to stop the guard, but somebody's wide open on the perimeter and teams have been knocking down threes all year so far on Texas. Where's the fix for that? How do you, how do you make Max Acemus a reliable enough defender to where he doesn't need that help and Texas can cover the perimeter as well and not give up as many threes? Well, it's a good, it's a good question. It's a question that the coaching staff will ask every game of the season, depending on who tries to exploit him. And I would simply say because of the experience of Texas's team overall, <clears throat> Dylan, uh, Dylan Mitchell's an excellent defender. Brock Cunningham, Tyrese Hunter, for sure. So what you have to do is live with some of the mismatches. I don't think a team can beat Texas over 40 minutes 
mismatching a guard inside on Max. Can they get him a few times? Absolutely. Uh, that's one of the, uh, you know, the weaknesses, let's say, of Max's game is that he's a, he's a diminutive guy. He'll have to get better individually, but I also think that he'll get enough help where you don't have to, you can help, but also stay on your man. And you have to live with the fact that teams will try to exploit that. And then on the other hand, they got to guard him. And if you leave him open, he's obviously capable of doing major damage. So um, it's a, it's always a conundrum for a coach when you have a unique offensive player like a Max. Hey, Steph Curry went through this in the NBA his first seven or eight years, right? So it's a similar deal with people trying to exploit Max. But over the course of 40 minutes, um, I don't think you're going to be able to do it enough to beat Texas. You're going to have to find other ways to score on them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another guard on this Texas team who's played kind of up and down this season is Tyrese Hunter. We got a little taste of how good he can be, though, with his performance against LSU. Fran, what do you think about Tyrese Hunter's projectability on this year's Texas team, and where does he fit in to their plan for success? Well, he's obviously proven himself, Jason, at Iowa State. And then last year, I thought he really got better as the year went on and got more comfortable with his teammates and fit well with Marcus Carr. And obviously the the proof was in the pudding, given the incredible postseason that the Longhorns had. You know, Tyrese is a very good college guard. He's he's a he's a terrific defender. Um, he's not a pure point guard. You know, I mean, he's a point guard. He handles the ball most, but he's not a pure point guard where he's got this incredible vision. You know, like T.J. Ford back in the day, mm. you guys have heard about his brilliance, right? So um, he's an above average college guard. Now, NBA, that's a whole nother story. You know, we'll see. But um, he's certainly one of the better guards in this league. It's just that he's not going to be, he's not Gary Payton. He's not, um, you know, he's not, I, I don't know that anybody's got him in the first or second round right now. So the best thing he can do is just be a great college guard. He plays with toughness. His shooting hasn't been as good this year as it was last year. Um, so that's got to improve. But overall, I think he's an above average guard who's going to have nights where he struggles to score. But I think he's more of a plus than a minus, certainly for Texas, especially when you get into big 12 play. 
completely agree with that. The Tyrese Hunter is going to be more of a plus than a minus for the Longhorns. Now, when you get into Big 12 play, 11 of the 14 teams in the conference are 8-3 and three or better. Truly astounding going into January to see how good the Big 12 is. So before we get into talking about a couple more of those teams, you mentioned earlier you think Texas is a top 15 program when healthy. So let's think. If the Longhorns can stay healthy this season, best case scenario, where do you think yeah. that they'll be come March going into the Big 12 tournament? Well, I think they'll be in the top five, you know, and again, like when you're in the top five in the big 12, especially now that it's expanded, you're one of the best teams in the country. Um, mm. You know, so it, this is, this has been, uh, according to Ken Pomeroy, who I, you know, study religiously was one of the first people to bring those analytics to ESPN probably almost 20 years ago now. But when you look at Ken Pomeroy's numbers, which to me are much more, um, accurate than let's say an AP poll voter, you know, week mm. by week. Um, but Ken Pomeroy has had this big 12 as the best league in the country, eight of the last 10 years and only second in the two years they weren't number one. Right now the league is number one. That says a lot. So when you're Texas, when you're Oklahoma surprise team, when you're Kansas, you know, when, you know, when you're Houston and you're at the top of the big 12, it means you're probably going to be at the top of college basketball in that top 20 range. So Deepest team, deepest league in the country again. It's actually a rebuilding year for the league because West Virginia is not as good as I thought. Oklahoma State has struggled, but Cincinnati's been good. Zay, uh, uh, BYU's been good. Houston's been it's excellent. Um, the fun part for Texas is you can end up in this league, let's see, 18 games, 12 and 6, and be one of the top 10 teams in the country. Yeah. That's been proven. I'm not saying they're going to lose six games, but what I'm saying is, when you play in this league, you are going to get beat and you just got to roll with the punches and go on to the next game. And I think this league on the whole, not that, that won't necessarily wear teams out, but get them more ready for big uh, NCAA tournament play, which was the case last year. Five of the 10 teams in the big 12 over the last four seasons have been elite eight teams. Now you add four more teams and Houston's already been to a final four. So, um, you know, the league has proven itself and Texas inside the league has proven itself. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68 each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD. 1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. Brent, you know, going into, we'll, we'll stick with kind of Big 12 conference play, but still kind of look at Texas. You know, one of the arguments that Jason and I were having a couple of weeks ago was, 
how does Rodney Terry construct this starting lineup with injuries and with how guys are playing? And so it was kind of, do you go a little bit small ball and maybe have, you know, Dylan Mitchell or Dylan DeSue at the five and then put three, maybe four guards around him. You throw Brock Cunningham at the four and three guards maybe. Or now that he's back and you've got Caden Shedrick, do you put two big guys in there along with Dylan Mitchell and say two guards? When you look at who Texas plays in conference play, do you like the bigger lineup or do you think that small ball with the amount of guard talent that Ronnie Terry has on this team might be a better solution? Tommy, that question is probably being asked every day in the Texas coaching office. And, <laughs> and I, would, I would answer it. And so it's, it's a great it's a great dilemma to have. I would simply say this as a former coach and someone who has that 30,000-foot view of the league, I would say the answer is both because in this league with 14 teams and 14 different styles, there's going to be times where their small ball unit is going to be optimum for Texas, and there's going to be times when they have to match up against somebody like Hunter Dickinson and K.J. Adams where you're likely going to have to go big. I think no different than a football defense um, you know, where you play in six defensive backs against the air raid and you can put eight in the box against a running team. I think the beauty of coaching basketball in a league like the Big 12 is you have the ability or have to have the ability to be flexible. And uh, the one good silver lining out of the injuries to the big guys for Texas is they've learned to play small. And now when you add those two guys, and I think I say it right, on Yema, uh, big yep. fella who's been, you know, pretty serviceable. And, uh, you know, Dylan, Dylan Mitchell, I think, is one of the more improved players in the country. I just love what he's doing. I just think, Tommy, you got to be able to do both at different times during the season. So uh, that's not to, you know, shy away from giving you a definitive answer, but just to tell you that that flexibility for Texas is a good problem to have. Absolutely a good problem to have indeed. So the last Texas-specific question before we dive into the Big 12 here, mm -hmm. obviously loaded conference slate for the Longhorns with some highlight games, including a trip to Lawrence for perhaps their last ever game against Kansas in the conference slate, trip to Houston, home game against Houston, home and home against Baylor, finish the season at home against the surprising Oklahoma team. Fran, what is the top not top conference matchup of this season for you, the most pivotal game for Texas? Oh, that's a good question. I would say the home and home with Houston. Um, and here's why. Um, they, they only go to Kansas once. Is that what you said, Jason? Mm -hmm. is it can't, it's just one time with Kansas. Okay. So the home and home with Houston is critical for a number of reasons. It's a long-standing rivalry going back to the Southwest Conference days. That's a given. My wife went to SMU, and that was the, you know, the SM, that was the old Southwest Conference that you guys uh, have only heard about, but I'm old enough to remember it, right? Um, so that's the first thing, and the proximity to the two schools, right? And you can say what you want. Houston feels like they're the little brother. Texas certainly feels like they're the big brother. Although this year, the little brother is like uh, Charles Atlas, you know, when you look at Kelvin's team. But I think the rivalry and the intensity level of those two games are going to be critical for Texas because both of those games are going to be street fights. And by that, I mean they're going to be tough, hard-nosed, hard-fought games. And I worked for Rick Barnes, and I saw what he did at Texas. Texas was always, through the years, a tough, hard-nosed physical team. And I think Ronnie's still got some of that DNA in his coaching. So I think the Houston home-and-home -home series is going to be one of the more pivotal um, you know, uh, two games of their conference season because of the, the things I just mentioned. 
Houston is the highest, no, not the highest, they're the second highest ranked team in the Big 12 at number three, but they are the highest ranked team in the conference who is still undefeated, one of just four remaining unbeatens in the country. Which other teams do you think are big threats to Texas at the top of the conference? Obviously Kansas and Baylor every year in the conversation, but we have some surprise teams this year. Who are some other teams you have your eye on? Well, Oklahoma for sure. You know, uh, Porter Moser did not get dumb in his first two years at Oklahoma after a great run at Loyola. They just didn't have the material, the talent. They now have some really good transfers. JV and McCollum is going to be one of the best point guards in the country. A transfer out of Siena. People really haven't heard much about him yet. Otega Owe and uh, Milos Uzan, uh, the two sophomore uh, uh, point guard and wing, have been outstanding. And Porter's still a great coach. Obviously, that's a always been a great rivalry they're going to be leaving the league to be rivals in the sec next year so that's going to be obviously a good matchup baylor what can you say rick barnes owned baylor for a long time in recent years scott drew his own texas uh and so that's going to be big tcu is a street fight you know they got a lot of guys back um they're built like texas maybe not as good in the backcourt but size up front and i expect that to be uh you know a a, a great uh matchup and uh you know, obviously the one time in Kansas, Iowa State's going to be really good. But I, I don't want to go – I can go through the whole league, but the bottom line is uh, <laughs> every night, uh, you know, um, I'll put it this way. When I was coaching, you'd look at a part of your schedule and say, wow, you know, that's a uh, – those those three games, that's a gauntlet. You know, that's a gauntlet. Big 12, the gauntlet starts January 6th and it ends March 9th. That's just how it's been. So uh, great rivalries. But every game's going to be a hand-to-hand combat. And can't take anybody for granted in this league if you're Texas or anybody else because anybody can beat anybody. Brad, I want to pick your mind about Baylor. Uh, you know, we can kind of just shovel away the the game a couple nights ago when they when they only put up, I think, 17 points in the first half. But this is a team that I'm kind of entranced by. And I think Scott Drew is one of the better coaches in the country. And, you know, when I look at them head-to-toe, it's two freshmen that really stand out in Walter and, and Missy. So... What do you make of those two guys? I know Jacoby Walter, one of the better scorers out there, saw him at McDonald's All-American. I think he was one of the better players there overall. And then Missy's come in as the big guy with, you know, a team loaded with guards who can score and provided some help down low. You know, what do you make of this team and how far do you think Baylor can go? Because I think they can go pretty far. Yeah, I agree, Tommy. You know, the chemistry uh, and the culture, you know, we say culture. Everybody uses that term, culture. Culture is a neutral word. You know, I've seen teams with bad culture. And I've seen teams with great culture. And one thing Scott Drew has done in his time at Baylor, not only is it the greatest rebuilding job in NCAA history, um, it, it really is, because I remember the, the the reason it's a re, an incredible rebuilding job is they were coming off probation and there was a murder of one player of another. You know, nobody wanted that job. And uh, Baylor, you know, middle of I-35, they didn't have a Bucky's back then, you know. Uh, couldn't even find a Whataburger in Waco at the time. But, you know, it's become a great university. It's a great basketball program. And what Scott has done is incredible. The The culture there is in, uh, is a winning culture. And they really evaluate well. They evaluate transfers well. It's one thing to take a transfer, but they take transfers that fit into their culture again. And then their, their recruiting of the freshman class has been as good as anybody in the Big 12 the last, you know, 10, 10 to 15 years. So I expect Baylor to be a top 10, top five team all year. To your point, um, they, they're as good as I think you think they are. Uh, and um, I expect them to be in the mix for the top of the league. And I expect them to have a chance 
like Texas, like Kansas, like Houston, to go far, very far in March. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So my next question will have to be uh, with TCU. That's a team that I really have my eyes on. A little bit of a veteran squad with some really good transfers. You said that they're built like Texas, and I agree with that with some of the good forwards. Micah Peavy just had a triple-double the other game. The Horn Frogs are sitting there eight and one. Do you like this TCU team as a sleeper team as much as I do? Because I really like what Jamie Dixon is building in Fort Worth. And I personally think that this could be the year when TCU snaps their Sweet 16 drought. Uh, very possibly, Jason. You know, they got a lot of guys back from that team that got to the tournament last year. They got to the second round in Denver. I was up there with Westwood one. They got beat by Gonzaga mm. and did lose a great player in Mike Miles. In fact, if there's one thing missing, uh, Jameer Nelson Jr. has been solid, but he's not Mike Miles right now. But when you mentioned PV and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Emmanuel Miller is one of the best players in this league. And, and uh, you know, Xavier Cork up front and uh, Jacoby Coles. This team reminds me of the vintage teams in, at Pittsburgh Jamie Dixon had in the old Big East. Uh, toughness, rebounding, defense. And on given nights when they make outside shots, they can beat anybody in the Big 12 and in the country. So I do like this team. Scoring droughts are my one concern because they look, you know, they got a, they're, they're an airport looking team, man. I mean, you go see them in an airport and they look like an NBA team because of their size. As long as they don't have long scoring droughts, they're capable of beating anybody in this league. And they have been particularly tough to, to beat at the uh, Schollmeyer arena. So Again, when we talk about the Big 12, we're talking about eight, nine, 10 legitimate NCAA teams and TCU with the veteran experience, uh, certainly a, a team that, that you should you should like. I want to ask you about what's going on in Provo, Utah, because I feel like BYU isn't getting the attention that they deserve. As of two weeks ago, they had the highest rated net defense of all time. Mark Pope <laughs> is really building an absolute army there at BYU. What do you think about the Cougars, and where do you think that team's ceiling lies in the Big 12, their first well, season? It's a great question, and it's a great addition to the league, both in football and basketball. And, um, you know, I coached my last coaching spot was the University of New Mexico. Mm. At that time, Utah and BYU were in the Mountain West. So unfortunately, I made some trips to the Marriott Center. And it's a great basketball state. Um, disappointed you guys, Texas, leaving the league because I think BYU and Utah's basketball history are going to be incredible. Rick Majerus at Utah, Danny Ainge, Jimmer Ferdet at BYU, great coaches. And I, I love this BYU team. They've surprised me. They can really shoot it. Um, you know, Spencer Johnson, uh, Jackson Robinson, uh, guys I've never heard of before that I've had to go, do a deep dive on. Um, but the one thing about BYU in its history is they, they, they've always run and they've always shot threes well. And this is a, a type of team that's going to really be exciting. Um, anytime a high-level opponent goes to the Marriott Center this year, there will be 19,000 fans in there. They love basketball. And so uh, – 
really excited that they're in the league and, and that they're going to add a lot to the league, both from a history standpoint and a fan base standpoint, because they they do. The whole state, even high school basketball in the state of Utah, is huge. And uh, they grow them big up there, you know. They do. They just, you know, a lot of big white kids up there, you know. And uh, they all love basketball. And I think, it, it, you know, the Mormon culture also is a big basketball culture. So mm. no Jimmer for dead on this team, uh, who, by the way, has just helped the United States qualify for 3x3 in the Olympics because I – you know, I'm, I direct that team, so I had to get a plug in for Jimmer. But um, they love their basketball in BYU, and I think they're they're going to be a fun team to watch in conference play. Well, good job, Jimmer. We appreciate it, and uh, <laughs> go America. We'll see, we'll see you then, um, yeah. Fred. Another another team that I'm that I, I feel like a lot of people aren't talking about right now when they have been playing pretty well is Texas Tech. You know, I love the coaching hire with Grant McCaslin coming over from North Texas. When you look at this team, you know, Pop Isaacs is having a good year. Tucson's having a good year so far. But do you feel like they're still a year or two away? Does McCaslin still need to get some of his guys in there? Or do you think, you know, this is a team that obviously we, we've talked a lot about how the Big 12 is going to be a battle every night. But is this maybe a sleeping giant that, you know, with the right with the right coach at the helm, which I think McCaslin is, can, can really surprise some teams this year? Yeah, I think you summarize it really well, uh, Tommy. Um, they're going to beat some teams this year. They're not supposed to because Grant McCaslin is an excellent coach. He'll get them to play hard. He's won everywhere he's been. JUCO national champion. You know, obviously he did a great job at North Texas, and he inherited some players. He brought some transfers in. I think they just pieced it together this year. Really, they, you know, taking some transfers that he hoped would fit. Uh, losing Devin Cambridge to a knee injury was a killer. The Arizona State transfer, he's out for the year. So I I think that uh, the future is bright in, on the South Plains for sure. He's absolutely the right coach for that job. They have incredible fan support, very underrated. Um, they're, they're likely sold out already. That is an incredible arena, uh, great practice facility, one of the best in the country. All the pieces are in place for Texas Tech to be really good going forward. Um, I think this year's team is just going to overachieve. And, you know, Tucson's having a good year. You mentioned Pop Isaacs, who I love, the sophomore from Las Vegas. So, again, another dangerous team. Um, not going to be at full strength, but certainly you don't want to take them lightly or for granted because they're capable of uh, jumping up and biting anybody in this league on a given night. But I do think, to your point, the, the future is very bright for Red Raider basketball. Last question for you before we let you go, Fran. It's a big year for the Big 12, the final year with this slate of teams. Simple question for you. Who do you like to win the conference, and who do you think is going to be player of the year? Oh, that's a good question. I haven't thought about player of the year yet, but I, right now I'd have to say Kevin McCullough. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I'll put it this way. Hunter Dickinson is legitimately a first-team All-American candidate. No doubt. He was at Michigan. I think Kevin McCullough is the most important player in the league on a good team. What he's doing right now is incredible. He's it's he's taking after Ochai Abaji, Christian Brown, and last year Jalen Wilson. Bill Self has got a unique way to take a guy and say, you're our guy and you're going to play great for us. And he showed that on Saturday, making those free throws down the stretch in that hostile environment. So Kevin's my early uh, favorite, and I'm sure I, that's off the top of my head. I'm just, you, you could throw three guys at me and I could say, oh, yeah, him too. But um, uh, he comes to mind right away. And then you cannot – listen, Kansas, Bill Self's got more Big 12 titles than he does home losses. 
see this building behind me here? That's hard to <laughs> it's hard to win in there if you're a road team. So off off right off the bat, there's a good chance they're nine and zero before they even go on the road. So I would say that, and this is not a vintage Kansas team by any stretch. It's not even close to being as talented as some of the great teams I've seen in the past. But I love Kansas. I think Baylor, Houston, potentially Texas, those four teams in the mix. But if you make me pick, uh, I'm not picking against the Hall of Fame coach and the Hall of Fame arena. And, uh, you know, four really good players in uh, Harris, McCullough, K.J. Adams, and Austin guy. Can't believe he got away, but he did. Uh, and um, and obviously Hunter Dickinson. Sorry, I had to rub it rub it in there. Jason, but... We we can't yeah. believe it either. <laughs> he's gotten <laughs> better and better. He's he's gonna play in the NBA. People think I'm crazy, but I saw PJ Tucker not make a three at Texas or didn't even attempt one for three years. And you see what he's done in the NBA. And I think KJ a, can make a team. I do. That's a great comparison for KJ Adams. PJ Tucker. I I like that a lot. Yeah, PJ Rick Barnes wouldn't even let. PJ sniff a three-point shot back then because he was so dominant inside. And KJ similar, but a better athlete. Now we'll see if he improves the way PJ's done because PJ's, you know, you know, PJ, you know what they call a role player in the NBA, right? Because that's what he is. A multi-millionaire. <laughs> PJ made millions just being a great role player. And I think KJ's got that in him. But Kansas is my pick at the top for good reason. That's why they were picked where they were by the by the media. And uh, Kevin McCullough right now, my, uh, you know, my uh, most valuable player, MVP, most outstanding player right now. I, I like the Kansas pick, but I love the McCullough pick because that's one that you don't hear a whole lot of people. You know, the two names that always get mentioned with this Kansas team are Hunter Dickinson and Dewan Harris because how instrumental Harris is to yes. success. But I agree that McCullough deserves more attention. And when he is on, when he really is their guy taking the big yeah. three pointers and guarding the best player on the opposing team, this Kansas team is the best team in the conference and maybe in the country. And so completely agree with that point. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to you'll hear me start to say that early in Big 12 play. And then pretty soon, Jay Billis and Dickie V will be saying the same thing because that's kind of how it works in the Big 12. And then eventually, our guy, Seth Davis, will have him as a super glue guy on his all-glue team come March. You know, he's not glue guy. He's a super glue guy because he's really talented, but also he does so many things within the team chemistry to help help you win. And uh, so we'll, the three of us will get on Seth. He'll be, a super, he'll be our super glue guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much for joining us. Fran for Sachilla taking the time out of his holiday season to talk a little Texas Big 12 hoops with us. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Hook'em Hoops pod, wherever you're watching at home. We hope that you are having a happy and safe holiday. We'll talk to y'all soon. Have a good one.